You can have a seat. Now, I'm going to ask you to turn my mic down just a little bit. I'm talking kind of soft so that I don't blast you. Now, um, for some of you, that might not have been enough, and you need to go after it yourself. And the Bible, it talks about this king, and a prophet came to the king and said that uh, the Assyrians are going to come after you. Uh, but if you take these arrows and you strike them on the ground, you will never see the Assyrians again. So the king took the arrows and he struck them on the ground three times. And the prophet said, that bummer. You'll, you'll defeat them three times, but then they're going to come and destroy you. If you struck it, I think he said like six times, you never would have seen them again. Sometimes some of us stop on the 50-yard line when you need to keep pressing all the way through. That's what's called praying through. I remember a time when my wife was, was incredibly ill. And the Lord told me to start praising him. And I started praising him. And I sang a little bit. And my bedroom praised a little bit. And, uh, you know, it's like, okay. So I sang a little ditty to Jesus. And, okay, what do you want me to do now? Keep praising. Keep praising me. Keep praising me. Now shout Baal Perazim, the God of the breakthrough. Keep shouting Baal Perazim. My kids are sleeping. You know, so I'm doing it like this. Praise you, God. Praise you. Praise you, God. Praise you. Praise you, God. Praise you. You feel stupid. You feel ridiculous. But you're just being led by the Holy Spirit. See, the Holy Spirit is a spirit of freedom. And breakthrough and healing and salvation and deliverance. And he leads us into these things. There is something beyond medication. There is something beyond uh, uh, counseling. There is something beyond good books. It's God's power. And I agree and believe in all the things I just said. But God's power is there when something else can't help or and when nothing else can't help. And uh, so I just kept praising and praising and praising and praising until, until all of a sudden I knew there was a breakthrough. You just know it in your spirit. You just know what you know what you know. You ever had that feeling before where you just know what you know? You haven't seen it yet, but you know it's been done. And I walked into her bedroom and she was completely healed. Now, listen, this word about the past is over. God really wants you to believe that. And the new has come. I don't know what that means for you individually, but you've got to grab a hold of that and believe it. Because Satan will test you in that. He'll bring some ugly person into your life that's been ugly your whole life and say the same ugly things. Or he might have those thoughts go through your head. Or whatever might happen in the natural, you need to believe what we declared right here and here today. Amen? And you stand on it until you see it with your natural eye. That's the walk of faith. You get it in the spirit first, and then you see it in the natural. It doesn't happen the other way around. Jesus says that you blessed are those of you who have believed and have not seen. So I wanted to declare something today that I believe yet have not seen. And that is the vision for the gathering place. Today, I was asking the Lord what he wants to do today in this place. And uh, I have never been big on dedicating buildings. I, I've, I've just always thought it was um, really a waste of time. In the Old Testament... You know, God dwelt in buildings. But in the New Testament, he dwells in our hearts. So I'm real big on the indwelling of God wherever we go. But this week, in my prayer time, the Lord said, you're wrong about that. Isn't it great when God does that to you? Because then you can get right about it. And it expands you. And uh, so I said, well, what, Lord? And he said, go to First Kings. And I had no idea what I was going to. So I just opened up the Bible to First Kings. And there was Solomon dedicating the temple that he had just built. And they were singing songs and they were praying prayers and they were giving offerings and they were eating and celebrating. And, and, and the Lord very clearly said, John, I want you to dedicate that place to me on Sunday. 
So I learned a lesson this week. And so we've de- we're dedicating this place. Now, Solomon sacrificed like 100,000 goats and sheep. And I, looked for, I went to Ramona and I started looking around at different farms. And, and uh, they, I just couldn't find I couldn't find enough. And uh, I don't think POSD would let us be slaughtering goats and stuff down here. So I said, what, Lord? What do we do? Well, the Bible says in the New Testament, we don't slaughter bulls and goats anymore because Jesus Christ has already been slaughtered for us on that cross. Amen. So the sacrifices are been made. So what is our sacrifice? It's the fruit of our lips, the Bible says, giving thanks to God from a thankful heart. And so we've already begun sanctifying and dedicating. Sanctify means to set apart for a specific use. That's what sanctify means. That's where the word saint comes from, by the way. If you've been born again, you gave your life to Jesus, the Bible says you were translated from Satan's kingdom into Jesus' kingdom in that instant. Didn't have to join a church, didn't have to join any kind of religion. When you give your life to Jesus, the Bible says your name is erased out. Well, it's not erased, but all the sins that you've ever committed that were recorded is gone. Now your name is written in the book of life. You've gone from the kingdom of Satan to the kingdom of Jesus Christ. That happened the moment you gave your life to Jesus Christ. And so you're translated into his kingdom. And uh, I forget where I, was, where I was going. What was that saying? Sanctified. So... That moment you became a saint. What that means is you are sanctified, set apart for the purposes of God. And there are many believers who have been born again, but they're still not living for the purposes of God. They're still living for their own purposes, which is why they are unsatisfied as a believer. They still don't get it. Why am I not satisfied as a born again believer? Because you're still about you. Once you become about him, all of a sudden that peace is going to come in. The purpose is going to come in. The clarity is going to come in. The joy is going to come in. The power is going to come in because you're about the king and his kingdom. You do know we got born again into the kingdom of Jesus Christ, right? Well, you're going to believe it hopefully eventually. And the more I teach and preach and the more we pray and spray, hopefully you'll get it. So today we've already been dedicating this place. And so what I believe the Lord was saying to me is, John, I want you to dedicate that place to me on Sunday. I want you to worship me from that place. And I believe that as we do that, he's going to permeate this campus. And there are going to be teenagers coming back in the fall to the same school they've been going to for a year or two years or three years. And yet they're going to have more receptivity to Jesus Christ than they ever had before and they don't even know why. Kids on this campus that are witnessing to the friends, all of a sudden the friends are going to be interested, some of them are going to be interested for the first time, asking questions. Maybe God will allow some things to happen in some of their lives where they need help and they go to that believer, that Christian, that person they used to make fun of, and they're going to come and say, you know what, will you pray for me? There's just going to be an awareness of the presence of God on this campus. Now, they might not be able to define it as the presence of God, but it's going to be life. It's going to be liberty. It's going to be freedom. And it's going to lead to their salvation. And hey, they might end up right here in our congregation. Amen? Wouldn't that be great? So today, I want to talk to you about the vision for this house. Because not only are we going to dedicate this house to the Lord, but I want to dedicate ourselves to the Lord. Because a house that's dedicated to God, but the people are not, it's a, it's a farce. It's powerless. It's ridiculous. God says, they praise me with their lips, but their heart is far from me. And so when you have a house like Solomon's temple that I read this week that was dedicated to God, it ended up, ended up being a desolation. The enemy came and destroyed it because the people of God did not stay dedicated to God. God doesn't want a building. He wants a people. 
He wants our hearts, not our religion. And so I want us to dedicate this building today in prayer, and I want to dedicate ourselves today. And we're going to pray into that at the end of uh, this, this, this vision I'm going to cast today on this first day in this new place. So, what is our vision here at the gathering place? The first thing I want to say to you about this now is I'm talking to you right now, something very, very cool should be happening right behind me. Is it up there? Oh, man. Is there, is there a PowerPoint up there behind me? There is? The PowerPoint people are going like this and saying yes, and you guys are saying no, so we have a total disconnect right now. It is up there. It hasn't changed. Is it to say our vision with a mountain peak with snow on and all that? <clears throat> what happens when a leader's people are ahead of him? What is that? Is that the tail wagging the dog? All right. The first thing I want to say about a vision is before I throw down a vision on us today, I want to say something very, very crucial. We, you, we do not make a vision. The vision makes us. We are not going to try to make a vision come to pass in this house. God has already declared the vision over this house, which I'll share with you in a minute. But God brings it to pass. We don't. We just partner with him. And as we partner with the God of heaven who has declared something over a people, and we partner with him, as we partner with him in that vision, pressing toward that vision changes us. And that is the vision. A changed people. A, a kingdom people. A powerful people. And that happens as we press into the vision. For example, let's put it in the natural. Let's say uh, somebody wants to hike that mountain or Mount Everest. A person that decides that they are going to tackle a mountain learns more about themselves than anybody else. Isn't that true? They learn about their true passion. Is this really my passion? They find out about halfway up. Whether their passion is as deep as they thought it was. And maybe as they're halfway up and they start doubting their passions and find their limitations, they go down deeper into themselves and dig deeper. And all of a sudden they pop through into unexpected potential. And the farther they go up the mountain and the more sacrifice it takes, they get more focused, they get more linear. They change. That's why some people say, well, you know, why would somebody want to climb a mountain? Forgive me, but many times it's the ladies talking about the men with something like this, you know. Why would they want to climb a mountain? You know, what was that all about? You know, well, it's just macho stuff. Well, yeah, it is. But on the way, it's the transformation that takes place. That's the glory. Or like an Olympic athlete. An Olympic athlete says that, that I want to uh, win the gold. Well, how do you get there from here? That's a long journey. And the journey is the transformation of that individual. Or a career. You say, I'd like to be a lawyer. I'd like to be a doctor. Um, well, what's that mean? That means I'm going to have to go to school and I'm going to have to start getting educated. By the time you reach the end of that goal and see it become a reality, you have changed. My wife right now is going to school. By the way, she's not here today because she is, uh, we are battling against a disease that's incurable called Meniere's. And uh, she's having a se- severe bout. Uh, the last two days with this uh, disease which causes you to go into vertigo where the whole world spins on you. And uh, so, uh, which is obviously just the enemy, right? On our, our opening day here for us. But, uh, you know, I just, yeah, well, we will pray. But first, I just want to say to the devil, on you. That's what I want to say. 
because you don't intimidate us, you don't scare us, and you will not win this fight. Because no weapon formed against us shall prosper. Now, we may suffer for a while. The Bible says a while. It doesn't say forever. Job was only nine months, and then he got twice as much. So if, next time you say, well, I'm just like Job. First of all, show me the boils on your backside and, and, and the death of all your children. And then show me that you got twice as much within nine months. So God, sometimes you suffer for a while, but then God comes through. Amen. Okay. So some of you said you want to pray for her right now. You want to pray for hope right now? Can we do that? Okay. Uh, Tim, won't you come up and pray for my wife? So, Father, we rise up in faith, Lord. It's easier sometimes to believe for somebody else than our own family. God, we lift up our pastor's arms right now, taking over the burden of his heart for his precious bride. Lord, we thank you for hope. We thank you for the rock that she is in his family. And, Lord, we know that Satan wants to go after the precious ones and attack and destroy everything that you have in store for us. And, God, we say no. We say no to his attempt. We come against his plan. Yes, we we call it defeated in the name of Jesus. We cast out every demonic desire or plan to come against the Etor home in the name of Jesus. And we believe God. We believe there's Lord. restoration. Your reign, God. Lord, there is a cure for Your this reign, disease. Jesus. Man says there's no cure. We say, uh-uh. Yeah. There is a cure. It's Shoot in the Jesus. name above every name. In the name of Jesus Christ. And, Lord, we thank you, Lord, for that cure. We ask you, Father, to bring it speedily upon her, God. And, Lord, let it be a Complete declaration of the Complete new things you're about God. to do in the yes, gathering God. place. Complete we give you praise in advance for the finished work, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 Thanks, Tim. Now, some of you might be thinking, my gosh, you know, if... Uh, the pastor's wife has a disease or a sickness. You know, what chance do I have? And these guys are people of faith. Hey, we are in this together. Right. Don't think that way. That, that's just that's not the right way to think. The right way to think is um, anybody who's out on the front lines is going to get an arrow shot at him every once in a while. And what we do is just pull that arrow out together. So there's a corporate level of faith, not just an individual level of faith. And that's why you are so important to this house, to your church. Your level of faith added to my level of faith increases the level of faith in the house. And the higher the level of faith, the more divine activity we get to see. Amen? Amen. So be brutal against unbelief in your life. So um, I think you get the point that a vision makes us. We don't make the vision. That's a critical point, And I want you to understand that as we go forward. So what is the vision of the gathering place? I want you to see this. The vision of the gathering place is, say that out loud. One thousand strong. The Lord gave that to me one day when I was sitting on the front row at the last church that I was on, a, a pastor on staff there. And the Lord spoke to me and said, John, I'm making you a captain over a thousand. You're going to be over, a, a leader over one thousand strong. And then he said this to me, not one thousand people strong, but what? One thousand strong people. Now, that means there's probably going to be more than a thousand. But within that group, there's going to be a thousand people who are Totally dedicated to Jesus Christ. Fervent about his kingdom. People that are so dangerous to the devil that, well, we do what Jesus did. The Bible says this is the reason Jesus Christ came to the earth. It says it so clear and so plain to destroy the works of the devil. Migraines, 
uh, holes in the heart, cancer, AIDS, divorces, suffering of all kind. Satan loves that stuff. He really enjoys seeing human beings, God's creation, suffer. And God says, I have a weapon in the earth called the church. And they are going to destroy Satan's works everywhere they go. But we've got to get to that place where we really are that weapon. Now, we see things now and then. We see things popping. We see the gifts of the Spirit flowing. We see Satan losing battles. But, man, I want him to lose the whole thing. Amen. Amen. I want him to lose the war. That's what this, this crutches are up here. It's because that uh, Jake got healed. That, that was a teenager in our church that came in on crutches. couldn't even step on his leg. And he got healed. Uh, Tim laid hands on him. And I saw Jake uh, walking around. And he was weeping without the crutches. And I thought, oh, God, no. Tim took his crutches away. And Jake is weeping because of the pain shooting up his leg right now. And we're going to get sued. And, uh, and I thought, or that's tears of joy. Fortunately, it was tears of joy. He was completely healed. Isn't that great? Yeah, see, I told you, sometimes I need your faith, too, because that was pretty pathetic of me, wasn't it? Um, and so that is a sign. And then this umbrella over here is a prophetic word. God told somebody to buy that for our church because he was going to cause it to rain in our church. Um, but uh, but as I was as I was sitting there in that chair that day in that church service and the Lord spoke that to my heart, I felt the Holy Spirit say, I want you to sow a tithe. I want you to give 10 percent of that thousand in an offering right now. Give a hundred dollars as a seed you're sowing into a thousand souls that are going to be strong for me. So I, I, I took a step and I gave a hundred bucks into the offering. I was sitting like right about here. And as soon as I put that offering in and went by and I sowed that seed into the spirit and the vision of God, immediately someone walked up to me and said, here, God told me to give you this. And they handed me an envelope. There's one of my thousand right there. I like the freedom. I looked in the envelope. It was a hundred dollars. It wasn't, it wasn't 50. It wasn't 150. It wasn't a thousand. It was the exact same amount I just gave a moment ago. That was the Lord saying, obviously, John, you heard me. You did the right thing. Let's go. I believe this is the place that vision is going to come to pass. We have the room. It's time to grow. So what does a thousand look like? I'm going to do this very quickly. I just want to pop through the, the characteristics of what strong people in the kingdom of God look like. I'm talking about you, hopefully. You have to determine that. I know I'm one of the thousand. I don't want to be anything else than strong for God. Living half-stepping in the kingdom of God is a miserable lifestyle. You've got to make a decision. Or you'll be tormented your entire Christianity. But that's part of my sermon, so let me just jump into it. What does a thousand strong look like? You guys ready? You guys ready to look at this vision? And then we're going to pray it into this house. We're going to pray it into you. Pray it into your lives. And pray it into those that are coming. Number one, a a thousand... Oh, I'm sorry. Wait a minute. We've got to look at the scripture God gave to me about this. um, Let's go back to the the book of Isaiah. If you have your Bibles with you, you can open up to Isaiah chapter um, 60. Uh, uh, Isaiah chapter uh, 60, and you can see it up there on the, on the uh, overhead as well. Isaiah chapter 60, this is the scripture the Lord spoke to me regarding this vision. Starting in verse 21. Also, your people, or, what, where, where am I starting? In verse 21. Also, your people shall be righteous. Now, this is you. 
They shall inherit the land forever. The branch of my planting, the work of my hands, that I may be glorified. A people that are so awesome that it shines light on the goodness and the greatness of God. That's what, that's what glory, giving God glory, God be glorified. Glory to God means that your life is shining a spotlight upon God. And others, people look at you and they're like, wow. And that wow is giving glory to God. That's what it means to glorify God. Is that our lifestyle would shine, representing His goodness and greatness. A little one shall become a thousand. And a small one, a strong nation. Not a weak nation, a strong nation. I, the Lord, will hasten it or bring it to pass quickly in its time. And I believe it is time. So that is the foundation for that vision. Alright, so what does a strong people look like? Number one, you can, uh, if this, this should be in your bulletin as well. This should be, uh, I, I think you should have these written out in your bulletin so you can look at them, pray over them, and see yourself in them. A people fully submitted to Christ and committed to the advancement of His kingdom in their city and in their world. That was, I was saying just a few moments ago. Once you got born again into the kingdom of God, there's got to be this transition that takes place in you to realize it's not about you anymore. It was about you before you got saved, and how did that work for you? That wasn't working so well, was it? Which is why you came to Christ. So listen, the fallacy is when you come to Christ, and it's still about you. That was the problem before, and what happens is, as my, my, my former pastor used to say, former senior associate pastor, in his 80s, Dr. Will Heights would say, well, Brother John, I don't look inside very often. Because when I look inside myself, only two things happen. I either look inside and see all the bad stuff, and I get depressed. Or I look inside and see the good stuff, and I get proud. So I just don't look inside. I just look at Jesus. <laughs> like that. That's great. And that's the key to a powerful Christian lifestyle. Worshipping Him. Following Him. Being about Him. Listen, if you're about you and He's about you, then who's about Him? Nobody. It's His agenda. Jesus said this, If you will seek My kingdom first, then I will add all this stuff to you that you guys need. All the stuff in this natural world, I created it, I control it, I can give as much to you as I want, whenever I want and however I want. Like right now. And we have so many testimonies in this church already about the provision of God. If we are about Him, He is about us. He will, and He, He can take care of us much better than we can take care of ourselves. So people fully submitted to Christ. Now listen, this is the line in the sand that you have got to draw for yourself. Jesus did not pussyfoot around on this point. He is the King of His kingdom. His first message was repent. For the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent means to change the way you're thinking about you and about me and about this world. To repent is not a heart issue. It's a, it's a thought. It's a, it's a mindset. That's what repent literally means is to think differently. So he's saying the kingdom of God is at hand. Think differently. You're not the king. I am. It's not about you. It's about me. It's about the advancement of my kingdom. And if you will be about that, I'll look at your wife and your kids and the jobs and the promotions. I'll take care of all that for you. Just be about the advancement of my kingdom because souls are at stake. 
Now listen, when you do this, I'm telling you, there is such a peace and a power and purpose and provision that enters your soul. It is such a relief not to be about you anymore. There's such freedom. When you get free from thinking about yourself. Now listen, Jesus did not half step on this point. Look at this passage in the book of Luke chapter 14. Look at what Jesus says regarding this. Now great multitudes went with him and he turned and said to them. So he's not talking to his disciples. He's talking to everybody here. This is not very seeker sensitive of him. Great multitudes followed him. And he said, if anyone comes to me, this is Jesus talking, and does not hate his father and mother, wife and children, brothers and sisters, yes, and his own life. Now, when he says hate, he's talking about prioritize above. Okay, so please don't misinterpret that and call your mom on the phone today and say, I hate you. I'm sorry, mom, I have to do this to follow Jesus. Okay. She's going to say, what church are you going to? And whoever does not bear his cross and come after me cannot be my disciple. The bearing that cross is dying to yourself and your own agenda and being about his agenda. That's what dying to yours. That's what the cross is. The cross is not sickness. It's not disease. It's not suffering unless it's for persecution for following Jesus Christ. The cross is not your teenage kids. The cross is not your husband. The God, that, we, we put the definition of the cross, this right here, we, we just throw everything on that. you got to read the Bible. It's about being persecuted for Jesus Christ. It's about choosing your own way, not uh, Jesus' way, not your own way. It's about saying to your mom and dad, I know you want me to go to college to be a doctor, but Jesus has told me to be a missionary in the Philippines. That's the cross. And that's exactly what my wife did. But he said it to her, his, her dad, not her mama. I'm sure her mama said, I would love to see you be a missionary. Because, see... Her mom was right here, my mother-in-law. So I have to say that right now. <laughs> you cannot be my disciple. Jesus did not say that uh, I don't want you to be my disciple if you don't have this attitude. He's saying you won't make it. He's saying you'll make it halfway up that mountain and you will quit. If you do not draw a line in the sand when it comes to following Jesus Christ, you will be weak You'll be tormented. You'll vacillate back and forth. You'll show up to church every once in a while. You'll tithe every once in a while. You're going to have to get deliverance all the time because they just keep jumping on you. It's just going to be, it's just, it's just, you can't walk with Jesus Christ in victory if you don't completely dedicate yourself to walking with him for the rest of your life. Now, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not saying this to make you feel, but I'm trying to set you free. I made this decision the day I gave my life to Jesus Christ. And I'm telling you, I, when I went on campus at Ohio State University, 60,000 students. And, uh, you know, I would, I would see, uh, you know, people would persecute me and people would laugh and people would mock that I was a Christian. It never affected me. It never bothered me. In fact, it provoked me because I had died and given my life to Jesus. And when my girlfriend said, oh, you got to choose between me and Jesus... I cried hard because I was in love with her. But I'm like, girl, you ain't the savior of the world. I don't know who you think you are, but I know you're not the savior of the world. You might be able to compete against Sally and Sue and Betty and someone else, but you just can't compete against the son of God. You have to draw that line in the sand. I'm saying to this morning by the Spirit of God, it will set you free, man. The torment will go away. 
So Jesus goes on to say this. For which of you intending to build a tower does not sit down first and count the cost? Steve, you're an architect. How dumb would that be? I think, you know, Steve's built, uh, he's designed many buildings around San Diego that you would know if, I mean, you see the buildings all the time downtown and stuff. Could you imagine, you know, you go to the contract and you say, okay, you want me to be the architect on this deal? And I, all right, what's the budget for this? Oh, I don't know. We're just going to throw that thing up there. So the first thing you'd be wondering is whether you're going to get paid or not, right? Because you're not going to, you're not going to join that deal unless you know that you're going to get paid. For that job. Jesus is saying the kingdom of God is more important than that. And there's no way that you are going to make it if you don't sit down first and decide whether you have what it takes. And that's complete dedication. Whether he has enough to finish it. Lest after he has laid the foundation and and is not able to finish, all who see it begin to mock him saying this man began to build and was not able to finish. That's those who began walking to Christ and we backslid after we preached to a whole family. And then they said, see, I told you that thing wasn't real. But you can repent and get back on track this morning. Jesus is the God of, uh, I can't even count high enough to tell you how many chances he has for us. Or what king going to make war against another king, which is what we are doing, making war against Satan, does not sit down first and consider whether he is able with 10,000 to meet him who comes against him with 20,000. Or else while the other is still a great way off, he sends a delegation and asks conditions of peace. So likewise, whoever of you does not forsake all... That he has cannot be my disciple. A strong believer is a person who makes that kind of unqualified decision right off the bat. You know, I've been pastoring now for about 25 years. And you know what I have noticed? What I've observed? The people who are the strongest believers I know. I've interviewed them and I asked them, tell me about your salvation. And do you know what every single one of them has told me? I sat down and thought about it. I heard what you preached, one girl said, and I went home and I thought about it for three weeks. And I made a decision. And that girl was on fire. She didn't fall down under the power of God and and, and that's not what made her do it. It wasn't that somebody prophesied over her. She made a decision to follow Jesus Christ and the power of heaven comes into her. A friend of mine was one behind the Iron Curtain in Russia before, uh, the, you know, before it was uh, down. That was profound. And he, and he went, they, they, went in, uh, they went in disguise as a, uh, as, a, as a band. They were a worship band, but they went into these bars and they'd begin playing their music and then they would do an altar call. They'd preach the gospel and have an altar call. Now they could be in prison. They could be tortured. You'd never see them again. And that almost happened a few times. So they're behind, you know, the Iron Curtain. They're in the devil's campground. And so he gives this altar call. And he saw these four young college girls leave the meeting. And he thought, oh, man, lost them. They came back about an hour later. Well, they're all starting to clean up. And he said, what's up? And they said, we want to give our life to Jesus Christ. And he said, well, I saw you guys walk out of the meeting. Where did you go? She said, well, you have to understand something. Here in Russia... We give our life to Jesus. Our families excommunicate us. We get kicked out of college. We lose our jobs. We might be in prison and they might torture us and kill us. So we had to decide that we really wanted to follow Jesus. See, that's why we're so soft in America. We really think Jesus is, uh, you know, he's the candy store. We don't understand that there are souls at stake. 
We don't understand this is about him and his kingdom and the advancement of his kingdom in our city. But as soon as you make that transition, you become a free, a free Christian, a free believer. So a people fully submitted to Christ and committed to the advancement of his kingdom in their city and their world. Number two is a people who are passionate lovers and worshipers of God. John 4 says that God is seeking such to worship him. You see, it's not in this building or in that building over there. This uh, Samaritan woman was saying to Jesus, well, we worship Jesus. We worship God over here. You worship him over there. And Jesus said, it's not where you worship him. It's how you worship him from the heart. Passionate worshipers of God. Thirdly, it is a people who love the word of God. I'm moving quickly because we've got to pray this in and my time's running out. First is a people fully submitted to Christ and his kingdom. Secondly, is a people passionate lovers and worshipers of God. Thirdly, a people who love the word of God. Look what Matthew 4, 4 says. Jesus said when Satan came against Jesus, Jesus could have turned him into a toad. Jesus could have just played with him. Jesus could have done anything to defeat Satan. What did he do? He quoted the Bible at the devil. Jesus Christ, the Son of God, used Scripture when Satan attacked him. He used Scripture. He, were, he, he used words that Moses wrote. You know, people said, you know, the Bible's not, you know, it was written by man. Well, Jesus didn't think so. Because when Satan came against Jesus, Jesus quoted the Bible at the devil. And the Bible says the devil left him for a more opportune time. Like maybe when he's not going to be quoting scripture at me. The word of God, the Bible says, is the sword of the spirit. Satan respects the Bible. And he respects it when you as a believer, fully submitted and committed to Christ, a lover and worshiper of God, speak the scriptures to Satan, to the demons that come to attack your lives, to oppress, to depression, to fear. This week, a spirit of fear came on me. I had an anxiety attack in the middle of the night. And I told Hope, man, I'm depressed, I'm discouraged, I haven't felt this way in the longest time. What's going on? And I got into prayer. And I was thinking, we're going to a new building. This is exciting. We've got great people working with us. Everything's good. Why am I having an anxiety attack? What is this? I went into my prayer time and the Lord said, it's a spirit of fear. Well, what I know about a spirit of fear, and it wasn't like, you know, the demon came into my bedroom with red horns. Went, blah, 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 blah. That's not what I'm talking about. That's not the way it comes. You just feel anxious. You feel depressed. You feel confused. Uh, you, you feel self-defeated, whatever it might be. Sometimes it's just, you know, hormones. Sometimes it's just your biorhythms. Sometimes you ate something that just didn't agree with you. Sometimes it's a spirit. And the Lord said it's a spirit of fear. Well, I know what to do with that. You stand up and you begin to speak the word of God to those, to those entities, to those things. And guess what? Bam! It left. And all of a sudden I was thinking, I was John again. I mean, I was happy again. I was like, yeah, this is me. This is the me I know. I'm happy. I got a great life, great wife, great kids, great church. What was I depressed about? It was a spirit. When a spirit came against Jesus Christ, he used the word of the living God against him. Can I hear an amen? amen. So if you're going to be a strong believer, you've got to know the word of God. You've got to be in the word of God, believe the word of God, pray the word of God, speak the word of God. God created the worlds with his word. You know, the Bible says in 1 John, you young men, you have overcome the wicked one because the word of God abides in you. Not your opinion, not your machoism, not your 16-inch biceps, the word of the living God. 
That's how you overcome the wicked one. That's how Jesus did it. That's how his church does it. Can I hear another amen? That was good preaching right there. Okay, the next one. A strong people. A people who fervently love one another with the love of God. I like what Mark calls it. A genuine Christian community. Not a fake Christian community. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Hate your guts. Can't stand to see you. How are you? Okay. God knows and it grieves his heart. I'm going to tell you, one of the saddest places in my life was when my kids are fighting with one another. Speaking mean words to each other, hurting each other, not sharing. I'm telling you, it hurts me. It makes me mad and it makes me sad. I mean, it's one of the saddest places of my life is when I hear that and see that. One of the happiest, happiest places in my life. The thing that touches my heart and makes me cry with joy, and I mean that, is when my children are sharing and loving and caring for one another. And it makes me think about how God must feel when His children are either fighting with one another, unforgiveness, hatred, jealousy, arrogance, pride, or when we truly are loving one another. How it must make heaven happy how it must touch the heart of the father and i'm going to tell you something our church is like that we really have people loving one another a great testimony this morning i'll tell you very quickly is uh kevin mazzucato he was over security safety and security at palmarta hospital and uh and uh he and i read in the newspaper this week uh there's a massive layoff and and uh the palmarta and, and palomar hospitals kevin's sitting right there he had an executive position, very important. He came from Hawaii with his family for that position. And uh, they, laid, they laid a bunch of people off. So Kevin, here, so we hear about it. His wife comes to our prayer meeting that night and she tells us we prayed about it. And then he sent an email and he said this. This is just a testimony to you, this body, and how God smiles over this place because of this. He said that John and Mark prayed over me. And then the leadership group, they prayed over me. Then a men's, in the men's group, they laid hands on me to get a job here in San Diego. The first thing he said was when he told Mark and I uh, that um, he was looking for jobs outside of San Diego, we told him that was of the devil. And uh, that's all we said to him was that's of the devil. Then the men's group laid hands on him. Juan and Rick and AJ and Brian, Jeff, Matt, Francisco, David and Ron and Phil all laid hands on him to get a job here in San Diego. Then the middle school group led by Caleb Riley, 15 students. He's a junior high pastor. 15 students laid hands on him to get a job here in San Diego. Then Ken Barrett right here who works in security and maintenance over at La Jolla Scripps. Uh, told him of a job opportunity over there. Then Brian and Sissy spoke words of encouragement and prayers into them. Juan and Cynthia went to his house and laid hands on him for him to have a job here and, and, and spoke a prophetic word over him. Then Steve Pascal went to his house and laid hands on him to get a job here. And he said, today, by the grace of God, I received an awesome job offer from Scripps Memorial Hospital in La Jolla. Isn't that great? Yeah. We just went, bam. So you're not taking Kevin. Uh-uh. Kevin, Roxanne, and their family are staying here. But it wouldn't have happened if the body of Christ had not come around a member who was suffering. Isn't <laughs> that great? I love it. One person in the body suffers, and all of a sudden, 15 come to the fight. Isn't <laughs> that great? Woo! And it's a better job. More money? 
On the way? Not yet. On the way. All right. See, I, I, I was in sales. You know not to ask the question. You don't know if you're going to get the answer you want. I should know that by now. Okay. So. A people who love one another fervently with the love of God. Love is our main deal here. If you're a critical, negative person, you're either going to change or you're going to go find another church. Because this church is a loving church. We really believe it. John said if he laid down his life for us, we ought to lay down our lives for one another. And that's in the little things and that's in the big things. So remember that John 3.16, we all know. God so loved the world. First John 3.16 is he laid down his life for us. We ought to lay down our lives for one another. It's easy to remember it that way. Next, a thousand people strong. What's that mean? A people who are unashamed of the good news of Jesus Christ and have his love for the lost. The Bible says in 1 Corinthians 1.18, I am not ashamed of the message of Jesus Christ. It is the power of God to those who believe. 2 Corinthians 5.14 says the love of God constrains me. When I was at Ohio State University, as I told you before, because I had drawn that line in the sand, thank God when I got saved, somebody told me to do that. They didn't give me this half-baked, weak gospel. They said, man, you've got to die. And turn your life over to Jesus Christ and start reading this book and don't ever quit. I read it, man. I took a little, little Bible in my top pocket. I was 19 years old at Ohio State University. I walked all over campus like this, going to my next class. He told me to read the Bible and don't stop. So that's what I did. I just read it and read it and read it. It was the old King James. I mean, th- some of you love the old King James and it's the only true translation and I don't want to disrespect you. I just want to say when somebody gave me another Bible a couple years later where they just kind of did the gr- grammatical change to the new King James, they called it, and just kind of switched things around. God, it was like deliverance. (laughs) I had migraines until I got the new King James. (laughs) Got to watch out for translations, though, because they can say things the Bible doesn't say. But I trust the new King James personally. But anyway, I was reading it on the bus. I was reading it between classes. I just read it and read it and read it and read it and read it. And then I was in this, uh, I was at a high state university campus out in the commons and there's, you know, hundreds of people out there and there's a big circle. And one of my best buddies was just a, you know, he was just, he, we were both drummers. We played in bars around the campus at a high state university and, and he was a drummer in some country western band and I was a drummer in some uh, rock band. And so we hooked up at the music school and, and we hung out together, but I was born again and he wasn't. And uh, everything was great until the day that we're sitting out in the commons and there's a big circle of people and there's one guy standing up at a soapbox and he was preaching. At the crowd and the crowd was mocking him and mocking him and mocking him. And man, I tell you what, I just got mad. And I went to stand up and my friend grabbed my arm and goes, what are you doing? I said, I'm going to leave my brother hanging all by himself. I got to help him. He goes, don't you dare do that. I was like, why? And then I realized in that moment. There's a division between us. He's embarrassed of the message of Jesus Christ. Now, he wasn't a believer, so I understand that. But I was a believer in my king who saved my soul. And there's my friend of, not my friend, but there's a Christian of there's got the guts to stand up and try to give people a chance to go to heaven and not hell. And I'm not going to sit down here and just let them tie him to pretzels. And I stood up and I went with them. Jesus sent him by twos. It was fun. I had fun. You see, you have no fear when you've made the decision to follow him. 
The more persecuted you are on this side of heaven, the more rewards and honor you get on that side of heaven. And then finally, a thousand stronger people who won't be satisfied until they see the kingdom come in power. 1 Corinthians 4.20, say this out loud with me. Say it. For the kingdom of God is not in word, but in power. Okay, let's all stand. We're going to pray this in. Do you guys agree with this? This is the kind of church you'll be coming to. This is the vision you'll be a part of. A church that is so powerful, the city cannot ignore it. So let's read the first one, and then let's pray it in together. The GP vision. Let's say this out loud. A people who are fully submitted to Christ and committed to the advancement of His kingdom and their city and their world. Okay, the first thing I want you to do is grab the hand of your neighbor, and I want you to pray for them right now, that they will be fully submitted and committed to Jesus Christ. If you've never given your life to Jesus, do it right now. He will, comp- he will accept you. He will receive you. He will, not, he will not hold your sins against you. Right now, if you're sitting there, you're standing there, you've never asked Jesus into your life, as that person next to you is praying for you, ask him, say, Jesus, come into my soul right now. I give my life to you. Now begin to pray, church. Begin to pray for the person right next to you that they'd be fully submitted and committed to Jesus Christ, to his kingdom, the advancement of his kingdom in our city and in our world. Pray out loud. Pray so that the person next to you can hear you. Pray like you're praying for a person whose life depends on it. Pray deep from your heart for them. They'd be fully submitted and committed to Jesus Christ and to the advancement of His kingdom. Breaking all selfishness. Breaking all self-centeredness. Breaking depression. Breaking anxiety and worry and woe. We take authority over all selfishness and all self-centeredness in the mighty name of the Lord Jesus Christ. And we break free today to serve the King and His kingdom. Uh, Some of you should be feeling things breaking off of you already. You'll see what I'm talking about. Alright, let's go to the next one. Let's read this out loud. A people who are passionate lovers and worshipers of God. Listen, God does not want your religion. He wants you to love Him and worship Him as your Creator. Now begin to pray for the person next to you right now. Pray that the religious heart will break and they will become a passionate lover of the God who called them into existence. Pray for fire in their heart right now. Pray, Go deep. Dig deep and pray that the person you're touching, that fire would be in their heart. Yes. For God. Pray they'll have revelation of God. That they'll come to know Him. Now come against all religion right now. Come against that religious spirit. Come against duty and obligation. Come against that religious spirit of, of, of discipline and principle. Come against religious paradigms of the past. Go ahead, pray against that. Religious paradigms of the past. Traditions. 
And now pray for a release of genuine, heartfelt worship in this house. Go ahead and pray that. A release of genuine, heartfelt worship in this house. A spirit of praise. A spirit of thanksgiving. Okay, let's look at this next one. Let's say it out loud. A people who love the Word of God. Listen, for those of you going to college, going to school, do not let your minds be corrupted and polluted by the liberal philosophies of this world. My wife's going to college right now, and she said, if I wasn't as educated as I am in God, she said, I would absolutely have a liberal worldview. Because many, not all, because many are believers in colleges like my sister's a professor and in schools. But many of them, she said, they are not teaching objective subjects. They are preaching a liberal agenda, which does not include belief in the word of the living God, the Bible. All right. So listen, you've got to. The Bible says, beware lest anyone corrupt you through philosophy and vain deceptions and traditions of men and draw you away for the simplicity of. That's in Christ, who's the head of all. Amen? Okay, come on. Let's honor the Word of God in this church. Begin to pray right now. Come against philosophies. Come against any philosophy that's contrary to the Word of God. Come on, grab your neighbor's hand and pray. Pray for them to believe the Word of the living God. That the Bible would come alive to them when they're they're reading the Word. It comes alive. That it's not a dead book. It's not a history book. It's not a religious book. It's the words and the life and the breath of God. Pray that it comes alive for the person you're praying for. It's food to the spirit. It's power to the mind. Pray that the school, that the colleges would begin to honor the Word of God again. I know that's a big prayer, but let's pray it, church. Pray that our education system would begin to honor the Word of God again. Lord, we pray against the serpent, the deceiver, that exalts intellectualism against the simplicity of the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. We pray your words, God, would be premier in our region, in our city. Let's look at the next one. Read it out loud. Say it with me. A people who fervently love one another with the love of God. I don't ever want to go to a church where they don't love. That is a nasty place. I'd rather go to a bar where a stranger would buy me a beer than go to a church where people are ugly and nasty and mean. Amen? You too? All right, come on. Pray for the love of God to baptize this place. Come on, pray it. Pray it in, church. This is your church. Pray it in. This is a new beginning. Come on. The love of God poured out in our hearts, Father. Forgiveness. Releasing of judgment. No superior attitudes. No racism in this place. We're humble. We're helpful. We're sacrificial. We're thankful. May the love of God permeate. This church. Okay, let's look at the next one. Do you guys want to be a, church, a part of a church like this? Yeah, okay. It's kind of church I want to be a part of. Let's read this out loud. A people who are unashamed of the good news of Jesus Christ and share His passion for the lost. 
Now, look, if you've been afraid to share the gospel, you've been afraid of rejection. Jesus was rejected before you were. Listen, if you get rejected for Jesus, you should feel so close to him right then. You should be so thankful that your light was bright enough for somebody to decide that they didn't want to be around you. But listen, listen, if you allow your testimony of Jesus and your love for him and your love for him to be evident, it is the only chance some of your friends are going to have to get saved. My best friend, who I used to, he was my drug buddy, my alcohol buddy, my let's pick fights buddy. I mean, my buddy buddy, right, from high school, got saved after he mocked me and mocked me and mocked me. But, you know, my girlfriend nor my best buddy were going to steal Jesus from me. And five years later, he came to me, had ulcers in his stomach, and he said, I've watched you for five years, and whatever you have is real. I've got ulcers in my stomach, my life isn't working. I want what you have, and I led him to the Lord. You've got to have your light shining, church. Come on, let's pray for that. Let's pray that we are not ashamed of the good news of Jesus Christ. Come against the spirit of fear, timidity. Come back to your first love. Oh, come back to Jesus today. Jesus is the one that called you. We come against our spirit of shame that says to hide, be politically correct, be polite. And Lord, we pray a prayer. Light will shine for you, Jesus. Okay, let's, 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 dec- let's declare this last one and let's pray it in because I'm, I'm over time today, but that's okay, right? Okay, let's say this. A people who won't be satisfied until they see the kingdom come in power. Come on. Hey. Let's pray right now for the power of God to invade this place. Come on, pray it. Let's pray it. God, we don't want dead religion. We don't want just teaching, Lord. We want demonstration of the power of the Spirit of the living God in this place. We want deliverance, healing, restoration, words of knowledge, prophecy, healings, miracles, God. Miracles in this place, oh God. Let this be a house of miracles, God. Your kingdom come and all of its power, God. Baptisms in your spirit. Speaking in other tongues, God. Freedom in your spirit, God. Now, God, we ask you to bring what we have decreed to pass. We pray, Father, God. That this declaration has pleased your heart. We pray, God, as you look upon this church and this congregation, that you say, I can find a very comfortable home there. Now, God, we pray for this campus. This is the last thing we're going to do. Let's pray for this building right here. Let's pray for this campus. Begin to pray right now for this school campus that this next school year is going to be the most spiritually... The most spiritually, that the spirit of wisdom and understanding is going to permeate this this, uh, campus and an understanding of Jesus Christ, a desire for Him, a desire of all nations, the Bible calls Jesus. Begin to pray that a spirit of understanding, 
a spirit of a God awareness begins to permeate this campus. Come on, this prayer right here could save lives on this campus. This prayer right here could create revival on this school campus. God, we dedicate this building to you as a house of worship. We dedicate this campus to you, God, as a place of salvation for souls, Lord. We pray for every teenager who goes to school on this campus, that their eyes would be open, their ears would be open, their heart would be open. They would be willing and receptive to the good news of Jesus Christ. We bind the devil in the mighty name of the Lord Jesus Christ of Nazareth. And we claim this campus for Jesus Christ. Every teacher, every administrator, every volunteer, all the counselors, the coaches, the students, God. Oh, God, we want revival on this campus, Lord. And we pray many of them become members of our congregation right here in this church. And I'm going to ask you, if, you're, if you go to school here, um, would you please raise your hand? If you go to school, if you're a student, there's one there. There's one over here. There's one right here. Isn't this awesome? Isn't this great, you guys? Anybody else? A, a student here? Keep your hand raised up. Those around you, put your hand on them. Let's pray for them right now that they are going to be more fruitful this year than they've ever been in advancing the kingdom on this campus. Okay? Everybody else, if you, if you raise your hand, that means you go to school here. Otherwise... Otherwise, reach your hands over this way toward these students and just begin to pray for them right now. God, we pray that they would have strategic wisdom from you about how to lead people to Christ on this campus. Ideas from God, words of knowledge on their fellow students. We pray, God, for healings that take place, miracles, Lord, where they lay hands on the sick and they recover. We pray they have prophetic words for their teachers. Don't you take, want to take it from here? No. Should we close it out with worship or just close? I don't, I don't, yeah, one song. In Jesus' name. Amen. Let's give God praise. Thank you, God. Thank you, God. Praise God. Whew. Well, we make our church what we want it to be. But who we are. This place is just going to rock. Amen. All right. Well, hey, we dedicate this building to God through praise and through prayer. And so let's worship. Let's fill this place with worship. We're going to sing one more song. And let's fill this place with worship. And I'm just going to say, as we're worshiping, you're welcome to come down for prayer. You're welcome to go on out and, uh, and go be the light of God, the light of Christ all over our city today, wherever you're headed. Be looking for the sick to pray for. Look for relatives and people to share your faith with. But let's, let's leave this place worshiping and praising God and filling this place with the presence of God. God, we love you so much. We're so excited to be here. But we're more excited that you're here, Lord. May your presence dwell here continuously, Father. All day and all night, 24-7, as long as we are in this place. And do things, Father, we're not even asking for. Go be above and beyond what we can even ask or even dream about in this place. In Jesus' name. And everybody said amen. Amen. amen.